2: Hey
3: Mitch.
2: Hey, hey Mitch. 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 Hey, Mitch.
1: Hey, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John. so you're back on Hey Mitch and uh we're going to be not necessarily talking about Star Wars directly. Uh, which is your definitely your your subject of of choice? It'll be uh, implied. It will definitely be heavily implied, and will have a. I sure I'm sure it will have a lot of influence in what we have to say. Um, but you had a great idea. Like we aren't getting to experience con season like we normally do at this time of year. Um, obviously the COVID nineteen pandemic has has shut down shut down uh people's everyday life to any normalcy they used to have which includes uh large gatherings and conventions are anything if not large gatherings like it's just a bunch of people packed into smaller rooms so
4: levels of hygiene i might add <laughs>
1: this is this is also true <laughs> uh so as as we get closer to that um or we get into that season i should say Con after con has been canceled. WonderCon was canceled canceled back in March. Uh, San Diego Comic Con is canceled for July. Phoenix Comic Phoenix Fan fusions, excuse me, has been postponed till September. And I mean, assuming that everything is better at that point, it will. It will. I'm, I'm sure it will happen. If it doesn't, if it's not better, I'm sure they'll they'll have to cancel for the year. Emerald City Comic Con was pushed back till August. Um, and then con after con, I mean, these are just the ones that we normally went to. I mean, con after con this season has been canceled or postponed. So with that, you had the idea of why not just get together as a group and share some of our memories, some of our shared memories and some of our individual memories of going to different conventions and having a good time and all the stories of the people that we've met and, and, and experiences
4: we've had. That sounds like a great idea, Mitch. I'm glad I came up with it.
1: <laughs> okay. So I mean, what was, the, before we get to the first con that you went to, what was the last con you went to?
4: Uh, last con I went to, if you could really call it, that was San Diego comic con 2019. I mean, you went to the ones here. Um, I guess that's true. Yeah. So i went to a couple of the smaller ones locally. Um, Yuma Con, or uh, whatever this one's called, Yuma Comic con and Blazing Desert, uh Comic Con in the San Luis area, also in Yuma Valley. Um but I mean, are they really cons? In- they by- are. They have yeah. guests, they have people that dress up, they you know, they have uh
1: vendors. It's it's all there. It's definitely not on us on a much smaller scale, but
4: it's, yeah, it's a scale thing, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah the the last big con i guess i went to was uh, san diego comic con 2019 although because of how it's been with that whole situation of like you know having to get into a drawing just to buy tickets uh i haven't actually gone inside of san diego comic con for quite some time but it's grown so huge and there's so many things to do in the downtown area and the gaslamp district anyway it's like you're practically there even if you don't get inside
1: yes we exactly. had
4: a lot of fun meeting up with yourself and a bunch of other people there. Um, had a great time uh, going to a barcade, which I can't remember the name of now. High score? Is that what it was? High score I, bar? That I sounds familiar. That
1: sounds right, right? Yeah. yeah. Or maybe it the anime you've been watching.
4: Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that does correlate. So I, I think that's why it resonates with me. <laughs> uh, and it wasn't just a barcade, it was an 80s themed barcade. So. That's true. They had a whole bunch of 80s references. It looked almost like the, uh, the, the 80s retro bar from Back to the Future 2.
1: Oh, that's true, yeah.
4: <laughs> all they needed was the uh, Max Headroom uh, facsimiles of uh, celebrities that was like yeah. pretty fun. <laughs> uh, but that being said, it's kind of a good uh, bookend because that was the last big con I went to. It was also the first con I went to all the way back in 95. There
1: you go. So back in 1995, this is would have been what? When was the first San Diego Comic Con? Is seventy uh, something, right? Like
4: in the, I think it was seventy two. First Comic Con.
1: So twenty years after they started, you went to you went to San Diego Comic Con, and how? And this is twenty years. Oh fuck! You know, yeah, twenty five years from uh, previous to now. So how how was it different from then to now?
4: Geez, well back then you could literally just walk up day of. You can find parking just about anywhere in downtown with like very like little effort. And your ticket was only like fifteen bucks, twenty bucks maybe, if you got it at the door. And you just had to run to the place. You can go anywhere. Uh, you could walk into Hall H at any point and find plenty of seating.
1: (laughs) Things changed. (laughs) So just looking it up right now, the first one was 1970. So you went exactly 25 years after they started, and it was 25 years ago
4: since your first time going. Ouch. (laughs) It feels like it was not that long ago, but yeah. So I had a funny story about how I even wound up going in the first place. Now, this was 1995. I was 14 years old. I was a massive nerd, but I wasn't very worldly. So I had no idea that cons existed outside of... Kind of tangentially realizing that Trekkie conventions were a thing because I've seen them in the news before or in like TV specials, they talk about them. And I thought that was it, you know? And that's why I thought, oh, these like must be like the uberist of nerds that only go to these things. So this particular summer, I'm spending it with one of my uncles. And uh, we're in downtown and I see a bus that the whole side of it is done in like a comic style, like comic panels, and they're featuring Batman. And I'm like, whoa, that's cool. Like, I've never seen anything like that before. And he was like, oh, yeah, they're promoting the, the Comic-Con that's going on right now. And I was like, the what? <laughs> the Comic-Con, they have like, you know, they sell comic books and they have like movie stuff there. And I was like, can we go to this? And he was like, well, I I mean, I had like a little limited budget of, you know, money. So he was mm-hmm. like, well, it, it might be a little expensive, but I'll tell you what. Listen to the radio tomorrow. And at some point, they'll have like a be the 10th caller type situation. And if you call and get tickets, I'll take you. Wow. So the next fucking day, <laughs> I was up from 6 in the morning, and I listened to some classic rock station. Uh, side note, this is why I now really love Pink Floyd and Zeppelin and all these other bands. I <laughs> spent all day listening to whatever this station was. And right around 3.30, they finally said, hey, be the 10th caller, blah, 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 you know the typical way that they talk. So I ran to the phone and uh, this was before cell phones. I think this was still like a corded phone. Uh, I had to run to where the phone was, dial the number repeatedly. It would sound busy. I would call again. And I did this over and over until I got through. And I was like, am I the 10th caller? And they're like, that's right, buddy. I was like, yeah. So uh, I gave them the deets. I had to look for an envelope somewhere because I had no idea what the address was. And the next day, my uncle was like, I guess, fine, let's go. (laughs) uh, Yeah, we show up. And it was a press pass, too. So uh, even though there was a bit of a line, I mean, nothing like what it is now, but there was a a short line. Somebody that was walking by saw me holding a press pass. They're like, oh, you go right ahead. I was like, this is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) In many ways, this kind of spoiled or or ruined every con experience after because none were ever going to be this good. Right. Uh, as soon as we step in, the first thing I see, of course, is the you know, the floor with all the vendors, and I just see so many awesome things, like all these toys, things that I grew up with that I had no idea I could still buy, like the original Generation One Transformers, um, like the entire like first couple of seasons of Garbage Pail Kid cards, which I had when I was like in grade school, and eventually lost because time. And I was like, wow, I could like buy my childhood back. So I experienced nostalgia at a very young age because of this uh, entry in Comic-Con for the first time. And then that was just like my introduction. Eventually, we started going around looking at the different halls. And I ended up stumbling into what I didn't know at the time was Hall H. And they had a panel for Joe's apartment which I think they had Jerry O'Connell and the director and somebody else there, the creator of uh, Joe's apartment, um, which started as a short on MTV. I think it was on liquid television. It's the one where he has cockroaches that talk to him. Right. So yeah. uh, television. It was liquid television. Yeah. I remember, I remember it was a short. Yeah. They turned that into a, like a really awful two hour movie. I mean, they even included the short in the two hour movie. Yeah. It was, I, and they're like, Hey, like, how are we going to pat this out? I don't know. It's just, Throw that in there
1: too. Um, He even looks like different. Like he even looks younger in that move in the the short than he because he was younger when they made the short.
4: Yeah. And um, so, whatever my biggest takeaway from that was that they had I mean, one of my favorite things from Comic Con, the freebies, all the free promotional stuff that they would give out. I felt like they used to give better stuff back then because they were giving out Joe's apartment like buttons that you could clip on your shirt and they had a life-size realistic rubber cockroach like hot glued onto them <laughs> I, remember, I remember grabbing a handful of those and then using them to freak out people like i would take them to school i would put them in random places uh, a couple of them i even put fishing string on them and i would like start dragging them around so that people would see them from the corner of their eye they'd be like what's that they'd realize it and they'd crap their pants it was great. Like, just so many good things came from this first experience. So while we were there, like I said, Joseph Hartman was wrapping up, and then they said, "Stay tuned. We're going to have the cast of Mortal Kombat." And I thought they meant the video game. <laughs> I idea that the movie was even in the works. Oh wow yeah like I like I said, I was a huge nerd, but I was just really not exposed to a lot of entertainment stuff I mean this was ninety five so yeah, yeah this is it was like still a ways away from me
1: exactly it wasn't it wasn't as commonplace as it is now. you don't have the the world of entertainment at your fingertips,
4: yeah, like it this was genuinely shocking to me, and I'm like, oh my God, we have to stay for this, and yeah, they had a panel, they showed some behind the scenes featurettes, they showed the trailer like three times, and uh I mean, the cast had, took questions. I believe somebody asked them how they made Goro in the movie. And for some reason, Robin Show just wanted to be super coy about it. And he was like, oh, well, Goro's not animatronic. He's not CGI. We just found a guy that looked like that.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's very smart. I, that under, I understand that him trying to keep it a secret from the people that, are gonna, that should go and see the movie. But... That's, that's, I don't know I I bet you there's a lot more training now on what actors have can and can't say especially with the internet and Comic Con being a more uh,
4: prevalent thing and with certain actors like Mark Ruffalo they just can't keep their mouth shut either <laughs> Mark Ruffalo and uh, Tom Holland yeah they just like spilling the beans and randomly live streaming the premieres they're attending <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, and then afterwards, I found out that, like, they also do autograph signings. Like, I didn't even see that part of the con until later. Mm. And I got autographs from Robin Show and Linda Nashby. I think Bridget, uh, is her name Bridget Nielsen? Bridget something.
1: Bridget, Bridget, uh, not Bridget, Bridget Nielsen, it's Bridget, Yeah, I forget what what her name is. Yeah, the...
4: well, she, I think she was supposed to be there, too, because they had her, like, promo, uh, photo, that they do the autographs for, but she wasn't there. So I was like, ah, she's too good for this, huh? Um, But nevertheless, uh, I got to meet some really cool celebrities that first time around. I met Dave Prowse, uh, who some people may recognize as the guy that was in the Darth Vader suit during the original sure. trilogy. Um, well, I had a great conversation with him. I just like saw him, and I was like, I knew who he was because I've seen him before, but I was just kind of a bit starstruck for a moment. I was like, whoa, you're Darth Vader. Yeah. And like, yup. And that's actually how he signs his autographs. He says, "David Prowse is Darth Vader." <laughs> um, and uh, we had a conversation about how, in the 1978, uh, they hired him to train uh, Christopher Reeve to bulk up for Superman because uh, Dave Prowse was a bodybuilder. And um, I don't know if you've ever seen *A Clockwork Orange*. He's in that movie, it was in, like a small part. Uh, but towards the end, he's the like the bodyguard that lives at the old man's house that gets beat up by Malcolm McDowell's character. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Right.
1: It's, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I, I didn't think I'm remembering. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I think he also played Frankenstein in one of those. Uh, was he also movie. the original voice
1: of Vader, but
4: had too high of a voice? And, well, I mean, he did do the speaking parts on set, but it was always intended that they was going to be dubbed over. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, like there's some behind the scenes stuff where you can see him talking and it's it like, he's not intimidating. He's very proper British gentleman type thing going on, <laughs> uh, but he was really cool. I got to meet some celebrities that I found out were douchebags like Lou Ferrigno.
1: Yeah, I remember that.
4: Uh, that guy. Yeah, that, that guy's a jerk. And you know what I want to say in uh, I Love You, Man, that was total propaganda. I'm sure that at some point his agent was like, yo, we got to like, brighten up your image, because way too many people are saying that you're a jerk at cons or something. Oh, wow. So now they're saying, like, oh, yeah, he's such a sweet guy. You know, he's the Hulk, but he's a softie or whatever. Yeah. No, he's, not. he's a jerk. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the, um, that being said, I had an amazing Comic-Con experience. I lost my voice afterwards.
1: From screaming?
4: From just, like, trying to, like, I was hyperventilating and speaking so fast, just trying to take everything in the the next day i was completely hoarse <laughs> uh, and i think my biggest purchase cuz again i was on this budget back then i bought the original uh dark horse alien versus predator two pack that they had released as a tie into the comic book and that thing was so awesome i had that for the longest time um, <laughs> a few other little things here and there uh, got to try on some prop helmets from Star Wars. Now, that's the Star Wars uh, tie-in there as well. And uh, I think they had, back then, from Batman Forever, the Val Kilmer Batmobile was on display. Oh, wow. Yeah, a lot of really cool stuff. And even way back then, I remember they were, al- they were already promoting Speed Racer. Oh,
1: 1995.
4: In 95, they had but signs they saying... Even- Coming I was going
1: to, to say, they hadn't even done The Matrix yet.
4: No. Well, the Wachowskis obviously weren't attached yet. This was just uh, Joel uh, Silver's production company. Okay. Um, that was uh, They had the rights forever. And I think it was one of those situations where they have to at least pretend like they're working on it to keep the rights, I think. Um, so they had like all right. this promotional material, some postcards, some posters. There was no cast announced yet. It was just literally, hey, Speed Racer, coming soon.
1: Yeah, I would get Oh yeah, Emil Hirsch would probably have been way too young at that point.
4: Oh yeah, yeah. No, this is, I'm sure it went through several iterations. I mean like if you know the behind the scenes of Spider-Man, that yeah. jumped around from studio to studio, director to director. Yeah, it's crazy. Um but yeah, that was my first experience and uh, I got the con bug from that. Um and I just always wanted to keep going. San Diego's probably always going to be my favorite even though I in the past, you know, years since I've gone to a couple of others. Um uh, I've gone to uh the Phoenix Con, now called FanFest or FanFusion.
1: FanFusion, yeah.
4: Um, there's been uh there was one in LA I attended once. I can't remember what it was called. I can't remember if it's WonderCon or GorillaCon or whatever they call it over there.
1: Oh there I mean there's in uh, WonderCon is in Anaheim. There's Ape which is Alternative Press Expo. I don't exactly know where that's at.
4: Okay. It must have been WonderCon then because Anaheim sounds familiar. Okay. So I feel like I've heard that already. Uh but yeah, that was uh just an incredible just like first time experience that it's like I've been chasing that con dragon ever since. <laughs> now it's becoming harder to do because of just how difficult it is to get into the to the con. I remember when the shift happened early in the two thousands. I want to say sometime around two thousand one, two thousand two. Is when it became extremely noticeable that it was converting more into like a Hollywood hype machine for uh, movies and celebrities mm-hmm. um, which definitely upped the production of a lot of the things that they started putting on there but and it started kind of screwing over the casual fan or the the fan that is interested but doesn't have all the resources in the world to really be able to do it continuously every year and um yeah it's uh, uh as far as As long as I can still go to the area where Comic-Con is happening in San Diego, even if I can't get in, and as long as I can still meet up with all the people that I like going to these things with, I'll still probably really enjoy just the experience of being there.
1: Yeah, that's what I tell people. It's like, even if you can't make it in, like, because the last few years, I haven't actually, I mean, I've gotten maybe one of the days out of the four or, you know, uh, two of the days, I think two years ago I got off four, but you know, it, it doesn't happen that much anymore. Um, you can still do so much just around the con for free. Like you don't have to have a con pass. You don't have to, uh, you don't have to pay anything. It's usually just, uh, you have to wait in line. And if you're okay with waiting in line, then you're, you're, you're golden. Um, my first year, I think was 2009. I can't remember if it was 2008, 2009, but I, I was working for a TV station, a local uh, NBC affiliate and uh my friend Chris who uh GT who's on on uh part of Geekly Media and Chris Franey who's also on uh Geekly Media for Imagine If, We three went to uh San Diego Comic-Con. We just knew about it. We knew well, I know Chris uh, Franey had gone with you before, but I uh I had never been and Chris GT had never been. So we were working for the TV station we were, we got press passes so we just needed to make it to San Diego Comic-Con. We went we drove the day of uh left early in the morning. None of us had really been to San Diego before so we had no idea how to get to the convention center. We just kept driving around San Diego until we figured it out. Uh so that took us probably about 5 hours and then we had to find parking which was not easy during San Diego Comic-Con at this point already and uh we parked several blocks away had to pay for parking um, walked to the con got got to the doors and uh, signed went in to sign in for sign in for our press passes now this was the last year that they were allowing anybody to do anything at the doors for for uh, tickets for registration you you had to pre-register and have everything sent to you after this at, at, after this year so that was uh, in That was interesting that we got to be the last ones to do that type of uh, registration. Uh, After that, we made it to a few panels and then uh, we knew that we wanted to go to the Kevin Smith one at the end of the day because we were only going to be there for the day. Uh, We went downstairs to that thinking that, hey, it's supposed to start at six. We get there 10 minutes before we should be fine. Well, that Hall H line was Pretty long. At least that's what we thought at that time. That was that we thought that was a long line. We had had no idea how big Hall H actually was. Uh, Come to find out, you know, in the following years when I've made it into Hall H, how big Hall H actually is and how long the line actually gets for Hall H. I could have definitely made it into Hall H that first year to see Kevin Smith. It would have not been an issue um but all in all that was it was a great time uh, after that we we definitely made it for multiple days and went for multiple years and just like you caught that bug I've gone to several different cons um the year they announced the avengers was probably my favorite uh I had a great memory of when um when uh was it the year after avengers would have been when Tom Hiddleston came out on stage dressed as Loki and gave his, uh, speech of you'll kneel because that's what you always do. And people were just going crazy. Like this is a speech about him being a bad guy and taking over the world. And people were like, yeah, take me over. I'm, I'm all for it. Like it's a, I'm there, I'm here. So it was, it was a great experience. And, uh, San Diego comic con, has definitely become a thing where you know, trying to get tickets is such a hassle, trying to get a hotel is such a hassle. And you think to me personally, I think, Oh, this is going to be the last year. I don't want to do this again, but you get to the convention and you have such a blast and you meet so many great people, uh, celebrity and non-celebrity, you know, just getting to talk to people online, uh, that share something that you love, then it's, it's just that much cooler. And, you have a great time. So then you're like, Oh yeah, I want to come back again next year. And that's why it's just difficult.
4: Yeah. Do you ever do any of the, uh, after parties?
1: Yeah. Uh, in the more recent years, we've done some of the, I've done some of the after parties with friends. Um, uh, what was it? Two years ago, two, three years ago. No, two. Yeah. Two years ago we would we did an after party at, uh, it's called it's called Omni something um not the Omni Hotel it's it's Omni something and it was the after party for variety and uh we got to take a picture with M Night Shyamalan and uh talk to Anya Taylor-Joy and uh oh the DJ was DJ Hordor so oh yeah yeah that was that was a lot of fun like something yeah, I don't, I don't know his, his name, and I'm sorry, but yeah, it was a lot. Of, it was a lot of fun.
4: I went to uh, not so much an after party, but it was uh, this really awesome, like upstairs bar, um, that was like everybody was just in their con like cosplays, and the one of the DJs was dressed up. He looked exactly like John Goodman in The Big Lebowski. Like, oh wow was but he was just a spitting image and then Felicia Day crashed it and was like hey everybody like bars on me like <laughs> open bar it was like whoa I got so sick
1: <laughs> was that like was that like her throwing around guild money right there <laughs>
4: basically yeah I was like she can afford this that's awesome you know yeah, like that is amazing um, and I mean but the the, the the DJ was definitely kissing her ass though. He was saying like here's the queen of Comic Con I was like <laughs> is she really though? I mean, she's cool, but like... I I mean,
1: she is the, you know, the stereotypical model for nerd girl kind of thing. Like, that's what Hollywood has cast her as. So, I can see it.
4: Then, uh, I think uh, that same year, or maybe a different year, I went to an IGN after party where they premiered. uh, I think it was sponsored by Sony because they had... Uh, the the PlayStation VR headsets before they came out, like, well before they came out. And um, we got to try Battlefront also, like, maybe six months before it was set to release. Uh, so there was some, like, demos of the Star Wars Battlefront that were really neat. It was a really weird environment because it was like they took over this entire building. It was three stories. Um, it was a lot of glass, I remember, for some reason. This building just had a lot of glass panels everywhere. And um, just really bizarre, kind of uh, at that point, I think I'd already been drinking. So some of those things become hazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best after party I've ever been to, uh, I think it was 2008. I believe this was the first time Franny and I went together. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, I was a member of a memorabilia and uh, prop collecting um, company called Master Replicas and one of their big properties was Star Wars. That was this y- that particular year they had also announced that they got the rights to produce X-Men props from the movies, which I think never fully materialized. They only had like some display uh pieces, you know, like uh was it Cyclops' visor, Cerebral's helmet, that kind of thing. And I don't think they ever actually mass produced them. I think the company went under shortly after. But that particular year they um uh, The company was giving to all its members like a special chance to go into this after party that was going to have some, like they said, we're going to have some special guests. And I was like, okay, cool. I hope they have like, you know, the guy that played the bartender and A New Hope or something like that. No, they had Chewbacca there. (laughs) Peter Mayhew? And they had Darth Maul, yes. And I was like, whoa and uh i was a little like starstruck by ray park because uh back then i was really into martial arts and i thought dark Mob was cool uh-huh. so I was like, oh man i really want to talk to this guy about like his wushu and stuff and like i have no idea how to even approach him so franey was like oh come here and i was like what and he says hey ray park this is my friend john <laughs> i was like what are you doing <laughs> and, uh, he did a ted mosby before like that thing was even like a thing or a yeah. barnet introduction uh, I was like, okay. And I think, I think how I met your mother already came out by that point. Is it? I don't know. Exactly. I, I don't know Maybe. Much. Maybe that's where they got it from, or he got it from. I don't know. Maybe. But Ray Park turned out to be a super cool dude. That's uh, awesome. We, uh, you know, chit chatted about uh, him playing Snake Eyes and how he was supposed to be Iron Fist, but that never materialized. And I was like, he, yeah.
1: He would have. He would have fit
4: the exact
1: look of what iron fist was supposed to be
4: <laughs> better than what we actually got and um i also met the uh the dude that was in donnie darko that played frank the rabbit
1: okay uh, the maybe. one that was on in independence day
4: yes i think his name's jimmy duvall and i've always wondered if he's related to uh robert duvall and i've never actually looked into it or uh, Duvall. oh yeah um but that dude was actually. Uh, he was cool because he was like definitely up for a conversation uh but then you get to that point where like the i guess the the starstruckness kind of wears off and now you're just seeing them as a normal person and then things get really awkward oh so you don't really know what else to talk about <laughs> so i was like um so you're going to work with uh richard uh whatever his name is, the guy that was a director for Donnie Darko again, Richard was Lee. like, Oh yeah, man. Like we talk a lot and he's got projects he wants to work on. And it just kind of became like a real, like, like puff conversation. Not a lot of substance. Uh, Cause I was like, you know what? I, I realized I don't really know what to say to some of these people. Like you Richard- kind of put them on a pedestal. Uh, what was it? It was Richard Kelly, Richard Kelly. Yes. Thank you. Um, I remember the, the, the exact moment I lost interest in talking with him <laughs> was when he said that he preferred the director's cut over the uh, theatrical release of Donnie Darko. Oh, really? And I was like, oh, all right, this, I don't, this conversation's over. <laughs> <I haven't laughs> more. But we still kind of awkwardly stood around for like 10 more minutes. So, yeah, that was weird. Peter Mayhew, great guy. He really liked my camera that I had at the time. Uh, if you remember Tomb Raider, I think it was part two. Angelina Jolie has this like really ridiculous looking tiny little camera with like a flip up screen. It's like Uh a small detail, but like it was actually a real camera made by Panasonic. I don't know how I found a good deal on those on like eBay at the time. Somebody was like getting rid of them or something. So I bought like two of them and I was walking around. It was a weird one because you held it kind of like in the palm of your hand and it laid flat, but there was a screen that flipped up. Hmm. It was a really weird way to hold it, uh, so I was kind of walking around like that. And like Peter Makey was like, "What is that?" I was like, "No, oh, <laughs> oh, it's a camera." And so he was just like inspecting my hand, looking at it, and just like, "Oh, that's really weird." And I always, I was so tempted to say something like, "Oh, almost like something from a galaxy far, far away." But I was like, "Nope, don't be that guy. Don't be that nerd. Don't be that." Yeah. <laughs> so even then, I still have reservations. I try not to geek out to the point where it's uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, the, the, the impulses are still there.
1: All right, let's get to see what uh some other people had for great memories of past Comic Cons. Okay, now on to talk about his Comic Con experience, Daniel Barroso from uh also from Geekly Media and you know, Tell Rugs.
2: Yeah, hi everyone. Um, so first thing you wanted me to talk about was uh my very oh. first con, right?
1: Well, yeah, what. What's your, what's your first con experience? What was, what was your first con experience? Which, which one was it? where did you go?
2: Uh, Phoenix Comic-Con 2012. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I haven't really ventured out to any other cons. Uh, I think the only one out of state, no, there's two out of state. So Las Vegas Comic-Con and then the one in Palm Springs. Uh, but yeah, it's been local mainly. Oh, I forgot, in Kamehameha-Con in Texas. I forgot about that one. That's right. Yeah. Um, But yeah, Phoenix Comic-Con 2012 was my first one. Um, Wasn't too overwhelmed, um, but I was just like, holy crap, this is awesome. This is the best thing ever.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, was it what you expected from a a Comic-Con?
2: I never really experienced one or what it was, so um I didn't know what to expect. Um I didn't even know that they did uh panels, so I really enjoyed the fact that, you know, we could walk into panels and see, you know, different actors or comic book creators or content creators, which I thought was awesome, blew my mind, and that you could go, you know, if there's enough time, you know, you could potentially go up there and ask a question as well.
1: And did you ask any questions on your first time around?
2: My first year, I don't think so. No. Well, Who would you no. see? I have to remember because I mean it's a long time I think I went to um some voice acting one so I I think that's uh when I first uh saw Phil Lamar um and then uh she voices for Naruto I think her name is Meili Flan uh Flanagan or Flannan so yeah those were the I remember that one it was a pretty cool panel other than that uh can't remember who else was there that year
1: that's cool so i mean obviously you had a good time because you you wanted to go and do it more uh after that so what's uh one of your best memories
2: just uh running into troy baker uh one of the most popular uh voice actors right now um at the hotel lobby and you know being able to ask him a few questions get a photo op and then Eventually, later in the day, go to his booth and, you know, get an autograph from him.
1: That was And that was at Phoenix Comic Con? Or no, Phoenix? that
2: was in Palm Springs. <laughs>
1: oh, that was at Palm Springs. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. that's a pretty good experience. I mean, that's one of the, the benefits of going to a convention. Like, you, you get to possibly run into uh, the, peop- the stars you look up to or the stars you admire uh, just in random places
2: yep doing you know normal normal things (laughs)
1: walking (laughs) around being a human being yep (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think um i i remember what did i i i was walking around and it's one of it's it's a memory that i have for san diego comic-con that i love and also hate because i hate myself for it (laughs) like do you know which one i'm talking about
2: i think so but go on i love yeah
1: (laughs) um so I was I, I remember we were walking around and I had already had quite a few drinks and um we were at our hotel and we walked uh through the lobby towards the um towards the the bar there so I was going to get some more to drink and uh David Harewood was walking in the opposite direction. He plays Martian Manhunter and Supergirl on the CW. And I saw him from across the hall and I was brave enough for <laughs> the liquid courage to just be like, David Irwin, you're awesome. Can I get a picture? And he was like, you know what? I'm on my way. I'm, I'm on my way out. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. And I was like, oh, man, I'm a fan. And that was just enough to guilt him to walk over to me. <laughs> and at the time, I was just like, that's fucking awesome. He came over to take a picture with me. But then, like, ever since then, I'm just like, God, I was that douchey dude that was like, I'm a fan. You need to respect me. You need to do what I say. <laughs> so ever since then, I, I I think, I, you know, those moments when you just, are, you have that quiet and then all of a sudden that anxiety comes in. And you're like, oh, why were you such a douche that time? That was me. But it was a cool memory and also a, a haunting memory.
2: <laughs> I don't think you should feel guilty about it at all.
1: I mean... I do, but maybe you're right. So, so That's all in okay. well fun, <laughs> yeah, all, all in good fun. So, going forward, like the reason we're we're kind of doing this podcast is because, uh, or at least this episode of the podcast is because you know we can't have conventions right at the moment because of the pandemic. And going forward, do you see any changes in the way conventions are handled or done?
2: Um, my biggest fear is, uh, whenever I, you know, pay for an autograph or pay for a photo op, you know, I, um, actually like shaking somebody's hand or, you know, giving giving them a hug. Um, I think that's gonna unfortunately come to an end. So, um, I know some of the actors or celebrities or content creators, uh, you know, reciprocate and also, you know, give you a handshake or, you know, high five or, you know, obviously uh, hug you back. So I think again unfortunately i think that's going to be put to a stop um and i have a feeling that uh the exhibitor floors uh which i love spending time in just browsing at all the different booths and that's you know your biggest chance to see other uh cosplayers i have a feeling that they're going to limit um you know the occupancy um in the exhibitor halls as well maybe even panels which sucks because uh There's been a couple of panels uh, like the uh, uh, the Jeff Goldblum one where, you know, he had a sand line uh, an hour prior just to get a seat. And, you know, obviously once it's at capacity, close the doors and then let you they don't let you in.
1: That's true. Yeah, I think things like that are going to have to change. I wonder if, you know, they'll mean less tickets sold and if less tickets are sold, that means tickets have to go up because they have to make up the price difference and stuff like that. So it's all going to be very interesting in, in what happens going forward
2: from here. Right. Uh, What do you think, uh, you know, are going to be some changes we're going to see? I, I,
1: like, I think that's the biggest thing. I think the, the amount of people that they allow into a convention is going to change. The, I think, I think it's just going to, it's going to be less contact. The meet and greets are going to be more of just like, yeah, you can stand near each other, but there is there's not gonna be any contact. I think um I think that's just the way they're gonna have to do things now. Um Yeah.
2: And if anything, um I don't know if a lot of cons do it, but I know that um Akamea um they had limited uh meet and greets. Uh they were only selling a hundred, so you could only have, you know, personal uh, meet and greets you know only 100 were sold um and you couldn't buy any on site um at the moment that they sold out they sold out so i wonder if they're maybe you can do that going forward as well just sell limited meet and greets
1: i, I can keep, I
2: definitely see that happening keep numbers down you know and um the exposure of contact down as well yeah yeah definitely
1: well, thank you, Daniel, for coming in and talking about Comic-Con and, and what you think and what your experiences are. So uh love to talk to you more.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on.
1: Okay, Elizabeth, 2019 was the first time you've ever went to a convention, a comic convention, right?
0: Yes, Phoenix Fan Fusion was, in 2019, was my very first con.
1: And after that, you... Like all the way up till February, you went to quite a few. February of 2020, you went to quite a few uh, conventions, correct?
0: Yes, yeah. Ended up doing Vegas and the outside of San Diego, uh, Yuma, Tucson, Gallifrey.
1: I think that's everything. I
0: think that's everything. But,
1: I mean, that's. <laughs> from going from zero to six, like yep. it's, it's, it's quite a bit in, in a, less than a year.
0: I don't have anything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, what was the what was your impression of a comic convention before you went to one?
0: Um, it was for people who were diehard fans who knew all the things. Knew all of the players, knew all the actors, actresses. I mean, I have no clue who anybody is, I'm gonna be quite honest. I <laughs> still don't know who most people are. Um So it was meant to be for true diehard fans and of pretty much just comic
1: books. Okay. And you never felt like that was something that you could participate in?
0: No, I've never read it. I mean I read my first comic book last year. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so then, going to your first one, how did you feel after you went to your first one?
0: So it felt. Um, I grew up doing something called the SCA, mm-hmm. uh, Society for Creative Anachronism, uh, recreating the Middle Ages in an, in an educational setting. It felt a lot like that. You could dabble. You could be fully in to the immersion experience. And while it looks odd from the outside, it doesn't feel odd once you're inside.
1: And did you feel ostracized? Did you feel accepted? Did you feel um, a fish out of water?
0: I felt a bit like a fish out of water just because it's a lot to take in. Um, I didn't feel ostracized. I felt relatively left alone in terms of I could decide how much I really wanted to get involved and how much I wanted to participate. Nobody was going to force participation upon me, but it was always an option out there.
1: Okay. Okay. So then, after the better part of a year attending conventions, like, how had your impression of them changed?
0: Obviously, there's a wider breadth of cons than I think anybody who isn't involved would recognize. Um, you think of them at least I did from the outset, of of something like San Diego, where it has to be strictly about or focused on comics, superheroes. Even if it's TV shows and movies, it's all about superheroes. Um, but then attending Gallifrey uh, in February, which I'm a huge Doctor Who fan, and so the thought that it could be adapted to something... Like that was really interesting to see.
1: Okay, so out of all the conventions, what's a, a favorite memory of yours?
0: That's a tough question. I'm I'm leaving a lot of dead silence, which is not doing our <laughs> listeners any good. Um, honestly, it's mostly the stuff that doesn't happen in the con itself. Okay. Because when you get groups of people together who are creative by nature and creative in interests, you end up with a lot of really awesome activities and meeting a lot of really awesome people outside of the structured con. And that's probably the best part.
1: Okay. As a novice, is there a... Thing about the cons that you just don't understand why they do it that way? Is there something that you feel like would it, it'd be better to change? And no is an acceptable answer.
0: Um, I think for me, it's very hard to understand. Uh, oftentimes, there are, are aisles where you can take pictures, not necessarily with celebrities, just with backdrops. And I... I still don't comprehend how you know whether or not you have to pay for those or not. Mm. Because some of them you do, some of them you don't. It's not really clearly marked. They're not in separate designated areas. It's just kind of like you're supposed to know. (laughs) And so in terms of coming at it from a novice perspective, the just having to know aspects of the con... Are intimidating. Okay. Because I don't have the secrets. I don't know the special handshakes. I don't know. (laughs) And so it makes it far more intimidating to try and approach and really get involved.
1: That's fair. So going forward, what's a suggestion you have of how cons are going to have to change uh, with a looming pandemic?
0: I think you're going to have to get a lot more creative in your costuming for cosplay because <laughs> I think you're going to end up incorporating masks a lot more now. Luckily, a fair number of characters exist that wear masks, at least I believe so, based yeah, off sure. the cosplays I've seen. <laughs> um, but I think you're going to have to see some some serious adaption to that. And I think cons may have to consider moving outdoors. I mean, you have to contend with weather then, but for large crowds, that's going to be the safer option. And so I think you're going to end up with some limited time frames in which a lot of the cons can occur. Because, for instance, Phoenix Fan Fusion normally occurs Memorial Day weekend. Well... Anybody who has ever been to Arizona in May knows that that's not always the best idea for being outside. Uh, so, you know, it might have to adapt as to when those things occur.
1: Okay. Thanks for coming on and talking about conventions. You're welcome. Okay,
0: Ian. Thanks for coming on
1: here with me and to talk about conventions since uh, we can't seem to have conventions this year. I mean, well, we shouldn't have conventions this year, for one. No, we uh, But... We also just you know aren't going to get to do it. We don't get to spend that time with friends and and uh, and meet new people and stuff. So I just want you know, just wanted to know what's your uh, what's your first convention you went to? What's the memory from your first convention?
5: Okay, my first convention was um, the back when it was still Phoenix Comic Con, and um, yeah, my my biggest memory from that was I got arrested by the um arizona cosplay guild i can't remember exactly okay. what they are it was all uh, they were all dc that day and you could pay into it uh they were raising money for charity that you'd pay into it you got a jailbreak lanyard and if you ran into one of them they would take you back to the booth and you got your mugshot taken
4: ah. um,
1: were you dressed I, up I,
5: I was not I, I didn't cosplay my first year there um but I went to go get a picture with a Nightwing cosplayer. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, hey, I'm supposed to arrest you. So the picture that we have is him going, <laughs> I got you. <ya." laughs>
1: that's, that's very cool. So yeah,
5: It was yeah. a really fun one.
1: Uh, what was you, Do you happen to remember what the charity was?
5: Uh, it was an educational one. It was like
1: raising money for books for schools or yeah. something okay, like that. Okay, yeah, I think. I think that's the one that they usually raise money for. Uh what do you do you cosplay often when you go to conventions?
5: Um honestly, I've only been
1: to like one or two after
5: that and I think this last one that I went to was my first time actually cosplay.
1: Most of the to... time I
5: just I just go and hang out, but this <laughs> last time was last time I got to experience the joy of it.
1: And what what was your costume?
5: Uh I was I was right after Spider-Verse happened. So I was uh alt dimension day one Spider-Man. <laughs> Good stuff.
1: So what was what, what was a like a big misconception that you had going into uh conventions? That if you had any. If you didn't have any, that's okay too.
5: The biggest one I had was that people were gonna be like like snooty. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted that's all over the place there still, but like the, the concept of like con culture of everybody's there just to have a good time. Everybody's there just to, to see what's there to be seen. And we're, we're all here to have a good time. So let's have a good time. Like if there's beef, people are really quick to crush it and everybody moves on and it's awesome.
1: Yeah. I think that's a big thing is that, like a lot of people who don't go to cons think that they're not going to be able to fit in because they're not, You know, they didn't, they, maybe they didn't put in enough, they feel they didn't put enough time in for their cosplay or they don't have enough information or they don't know all the 80 plus years of a comic book character or something like that. And it's, it's really not like there are going to be some people that are going to be like, oh, well, you didn't know. And, but more, more often than not, people just want to share their fandoms with other people that, that are like them, you know? So I, that's one of the, the, you know, the best things that I like going to countries. Like, I I geeks listening to this I am not an anime fan. I just don't care for it. I don't hate it. I just don't care for it. It's not my thing. It's the storytelling to me is just different that it doesn't resonate with me. But Phoenix Fan Fusion or at the time Phoenix Comic-Con is a huge anime like family. Like they lots of people Go there for that for that specific reason, and I love looking at those cosplays. Like those people, those people, anime cosplayers. What do you mean, cosplay? I know, I know, <laughs> anime cosplayers put in so much work into their cosplays, and it's it's amazing. And you know the the detail and the mm-hmm. the craftsmanship is just unbelievable. So it's, that's one of the things that I love going to learn about new or outside other. Uh, fandoms that i don't normally get to get to do what's what's one of the things that you love best about going to a convention
5: honestly it's the cosplays yeah like now that i've done it once cosplaying is so much fun because the reactions that you get to have with people and that people have with you um and looking at looking at like you were saying the amount of detail the amount of everything that goes into some really good cosplays it's it's so much fun um And I really just like the vendor floor.
1: Hmm. Do you usually find something like a, a, usually like a hidden treasure or like a a forgotten thing?
5: I normally don't go down there like, like digging for anything. Um, that's where I go to people watch. That's where I go Ah. to see what's there. So I, I really like the actual like con floor. Um, most of the time I kind of avoid panels unless there's something I really, really, really want to see or hear. Um, yeah, the majority of my con time is spent on the like on the actual floor, wandering around, checking out vendors, talking to people.
1: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So what is there do you say once the plague is is uh uh contained or at least we you know we have <laughs> a good grip on it, um do you have any fear of going back?
5: No fear, but I'm hesitant. Okay. Cause it's a lot of bodies really close together and the, the meme of it's a lot of kind of gross bodies really close together is a thing. Yeah. Um, so it's really just more of hesitant. I want to see what the cons have to say about it. Cause like social distancing at a con really isn't really a thing.
1: No, no, it really Every- isn't.
5: Everybody's crammed in there. It's, and that's, that's part of it. Yeah. Um, so I want to see what they have to say cuz I also want to see how creative people get with their cosplays if masks are mandatory.
1: True. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> All right, thanks thanks for coming on talking about conventions like uh I it's just I just feel like people need to remember those good times. So Oh, absolutely. So I'm glad I'm absolutely. glad you are able to do this with me.
5: Thank you for having me, man. <laughs>
1: Okay, now I have with me Terry Mayo of behind the booth on on youtube uh I wanted to say you know it's uh, this time when we're not doing conventions, you know being in the same place with a lot of people uh what is it that you probably miss the most
3: uh I mean short of like hugging people and <laughs> touching people <laughs> 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 um, i i you know I just miss the 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 getting together like. Before the show starts, the quiet before the storm, the after the show, you know, and, and then everything in between, just being able to talk to people and, and just like see how catch up. It's like a big family reunion every couple months. So I mean, it's uh, I mean, outside of that, that I mean, that is my favorite part of the conventions. Is uh, I guess some people call it networking, but I just I call it catching <laughs> up with friends and family.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what was your first experience uh, uh, with going to a convention?
3: Uh, You know, my very first con was, um strangely enough, was San Diego Comic-Con and it was in 99, 98, 99-ish. And I just moved from Texas to California and I was pushing a baby stroller down the street and I saw these signs for something called Comic-Con. <laughs> and I was like, well, that sounds pretty cool. So just walked up to the convention center and walked in the front door and went up the escalator and bought a ticket. <laughs> such smart, it was such a simple time back then. And, so it uh, seems
1: like such a foreign concept now. I know,
3: right? <laughs> I mean, I tried it a couple of years later, and it, would, that, it was a no-go. But, but that time, uh, I want to think it was like 98-ish, and uh, walked out onto the convention floor, and it reminded me of such, like a... You and I, we were at Yumacon not too long ago, right? Well, I guess a couple years ago Yeah, it's a couple years ago now, but yes. But like times at times well, maybe 10, and that's what it seemed like to me at least at the time. But you were able to walk up and down the the aisles no problem. I I met uh, Rob Van Dam, the wrestler, was just like kind of walking up and down the aisles and took a picture with him. And the band Guar was like just hanging out like in a corner. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was just a different atmosphere. And uh, Robert Bullock, the guy who plays uh, Boba Fett, Got a picture with it. So I mean, it was just it was it was different than it is now.
1: And you're just sitting there pull, pushing a, a baby stroller around, just
3: pushing the baby. Yeah, I mean, I, I had no plans of going to a comic <laughs> convention that morning, and then by the afternoon, had had a great memory in my first con.
1: That's that's incredible. And then what a different time, what a different experience too for especially for San Diego Comic Con.
3: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: But you since then have have made the transition to being on the other side of a, a convention booth. So. What is one of one of your fondest memories of being a professional at a convention at this point?
3: Uh man, there's a lot of good, a lot of good memories. Uh, and again, I think it goes back to to really just kind of being there. Because I mean, it, just because you have pro on your badge, I, I mean, it doesn't take the fan out of it. I no, mean, it no, absolutely. I might as well say fan on the back. So, <laughs> I mean, because it's, it's it really is just a series one after another of like fulfilling that fan goal of talking to the next artist, talking to the next writer, waiting in line to get to the panels and stuff. So it it really doesn't take much out of it from me, from that standpoint. Um, But I think like if I had to mark something off of a list of like that, that moment would probably be my first uh, panel paneling it at at San Diego Comic Con. The first time I did that uh, was definitely a memory. And I remember walking up to the stage and thinking I don't belong here and it's the same memory I have every single time I go up on the panel. <laughs> it's like I don't belong here. Someone's going to ask me a question. And they're going to be like, "You're a fake. You're a phony." <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think paneling for the very first time was probably that memory that that like of uh, almost like ah okay, it's a transition.
1: Was Was there anything that was like yeah, uh, like oh man, this is not something I knew went on behind the stage or anything like that.
3: Uh. And You know, I always knew that there were words on the back of those cards like that <laughs> the, like I have mine up here somewhere, but uh, on the name, the, the name, name cards plate, that they yeah. put in front of you on the panel and just being able to see that. And then just it, just the view from behind the table out is much more nerve wracking. So, I mean, it's 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 it, it is it's a surreal thing. Um, not a lot of room up there. I feel like the stage is going to collapse. <laughs> moment. <but. laughs>
1: That that's incredible okay so you know what's the first con do you think that you'll be able to go to when 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 everything is hopefully you know
3: safe opening yeah, <laughs> yeah safe uh you know i don't know um i've been talking to uh keeping in touch with some people as well and and i guess depending on your experience with it because in my private life I, I work in the medical field so it's I see the everyday of the COVID-19 and see how serious it can be. So it's it kind of is an eye opener to it's not something I want to bring back to my family at all.
1: Yeah.
3: Um so I don't know the, the thought of being in a confined building with a bunch of people coming from all over wherever. Wherever, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is, does not is does not appeal to me right this minute. So I don't know. Um probably not until there's at least a good vaccine out don't know when that'll be 2021 maybe. maybe. <laughs> so I, I really don't know. I really don't know, but I'm not planning anything.
1: Do you think that there's going to be a shift in the way we do cons? <clears throat> uh,
3: I don't see how there can't be. Um, I do think that there's going to be a lot more online like it has been. I think we're in the early stages of, of seeing what the possibilities are and, and, and seeing how, what it could be. Um, so I'm excited about that aspect of it. It, 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 it does feel a little bit detached right now, but I think there's some things that they could do to kind of roll it out a little bit better. Um, I think the San Diego comic con is doing some stuff this year with like having an online catalog for small press and for artist alley and stuff like that. And I think that's a shift in the right direction. Um, I recorded a panel with some people, uh, for San Diego comic con, um, so I'm, I'm, so I can see stuff like that being good and in the works, and maybe something that down the road, if they even wanted to, like put it on a, a network or something like that, uh, or something like that, streaming it, some, some, something, would be nice, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you know, I, I, I really just hope that they don't force these things back into the open, and that would not be good.
1: No, yeah. Well, uh, I just want to say. Thank you for for being on the front lines of, of COVID for us, and uh, uh, we. I I mean I appreciate it. I don't want to talk for everybody in the world, but I know <laughs> I'm sure everybody is very appreciative. So, and thank you for coming on the on the show again.
3: No problem, anytime.
1: So, John, going forward with conventions, do you see any changes in the way that you know conventions are going to be held due to uh, COVID nineteen?
4: I mean I I definitely hope that it helps to maybe narrow down the attendance because it was like shoulder to shoulder for the last like I don't know ten years whenever you're in one of these places. Um I was there the year that somebody was stabbed with a pencil during one of the Harry Potter I was there that
1: year too. Yeah. I was in the room.
4: You were yeah, I, I think I I think we might have been there together then. Yeah. Well it's at the same time, but
1: at the same time, yeah, because that was the same year that they did the the Dark Knight Joker writing on the in the sky, right? Yes. Yeah.
4: Yes. That was dude, that was so awesome. I remember you talking about that. Yeah, I, I managed to get one of those Joker dollar bills. Yeah. And um yeah, I was I was looking at, I, I had no idea what was going on at first. Like the first thing I see when I pull out of the parking lot is sky with ha 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 and I was like, Oh, that's kinda neat. And then a phone number. I'm like, what? <laughs> And then I start finding out, oh, they're doing this thing with the Dark Knight, and yeah, it was really impressive how well organized and that whole thing was. And then, before you know it, at some point, there's just like an army of like clowns walking <laughs> through the Comic Con, and like those masks like went for like big bucks. I remember how? I was, I was there the year that V uh, for Vendetta was announced, and all of those uh, Guy Fox masks. Yeah, uh, because they weren't mass produced yet. They were like just kind of like Comic Con exclusives. I mean, they were nothing. They were like just plastic masks that they were giving out right. for free. They were going for like 50 bucks on eBay.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
4: Yeah, Comic Con exclusives, collectibles. It's just, uh... but going back to like what's in store for us, I don't know, man. Like, it's, I guess it all depends how this summer shakes out. Uh, you know, like hashtag thanks Corona. We'll see if uh, yeah. this has any lasting effect, if this whole thing goes away. I mean,
1: I think people, I mean, are going to have to be more, I mean, even if we if we get a vaccine, when we get a vaccine and, you know, convention season can return to the way it was, people have to be conscious of uh, personal space more now and, and shaking hands and, you know, um, just being too close to each other. So maybe the capacity of San Diego Comic Con might shrink down the amount of people that can be in a place at one time is going to have to shrink down.
4: Yeah, and there's also been a lot of talk uh I know that it's constantly up in the air like oh will Comic-Con move to some other location. There's lots of uh not so much controversy but uh you know it's it's getting kind of too big for the convention center there. Yeah, and- San
1: Diego constantly, you know, has to battle or try and keep uh the convention there so to speak. Um because it's Comic Con International that that puts that is the event, and it's in San Diego, and San, the city of San Diego makes a lot of money off of it. The thing is that their convention center is just not big enough anymore, like to the point that it's you know grown past the convention center and is in all the surrounding hotels as well. Like you can go to Las Vegas; they could go to Las Vegas, which has a much larger uh, convention center and and could you know accommodate more hotel wise for more people. Uh, obviously, because it's Las Vegas, and it, it it there is the constantly the rumor of hey, you know we might move. You need you need to treat us better, or else we're going to move. We're going to take away all this business. So
4: yeah, they're constantly playing hardball with the city. Yeah, yeah, and it's supposed to be a non-profit organization, but you know they're getting something on the back end. Oh, these little <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, neither here nor there, though. <laughs> yeah, that's way beyond our pay grade. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um who is something that you would love to see going forward though? Like, would you love to see the, re, uh, a reunion of certain casts or would you love to, uh, uh, upcoming movie or something, you know, coming in the future? I mean, are you a big avatar fan? Do you want to see the cast of avatar two or three or eight, whatever
4: James Cam James Cameron's making <sighs> James Cameron's doing. Um, I mean, I watched the first movie. That's not really my, like, like oh wow that's that was an amazing movie experience i watched it once you know and that was pretty much it um i would like to have kind of speaking of the whole experience with like the ar and um like more things like that that was like a really fun experience i didn't even get to participate in the whole part of it but like um um not treasure hunts what's the word scavenger hunt yeah yeah Yeah, things like that things that incorporate you and like a bunch of buddies having like like an escape room type situation, except it takes place in all of the lamp district. I mean, how awesome would that be? All these separate businesses that are working together. Um, just, you know, it's, it's amazing. Like, I believe they even, they, it's even expanded into the uh, stadium. That's like a couple of blocks down from there. Yep. I remember they had some stuff. So like that whole place, I think one year it was the uh, walking dead experience. Mm -hmm. where it was essentially like you were going through like a zombie maze or something. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Like more things like that, that are more interactive. It's fun to have celebrities and all that stuff and sneak previews of movies. But what I, what I take away the most is the things I do with the people I'm there with, which is why this last comic con that we did, even though I didn't get to go inside, I had probably one of the best times because I was with yourself and with like a handful of other people that are, you know, in and out of the Geekly community and it was just such a fun time to to do that.
1: Yeah, that uh Market Street, like they close it all off now for uh San Diego Comic Con and you have things just going on up and down it and it's 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 amazing. What would what's a piece of advice you would give to someone that's never gone to a, a convention, uh, either for a small convention or for a or for something the size of San Diego Comic Con?
4: Uh, take a backpack and make sure you have some granola bars and water bottles in there.
1: Uh, there you go. Stay, a hydrated. stay hydrated and, and and make sure you have snacks. That is awesome. All right, John. Thanks. Thanks for having this great conversation and great idea. Like, uh, th- I hope other people are gonna have fun in remembering their first con or their favorite memories, and uh, you know, hopefully they'll they'll write into us or tweet us or, you know, talk talk on our Facebook or even send us an email.
4: Yeah, let's do a, like a hashtag uh, con memories or something.
1: That con memories works. I think that's great. Um, where can people find you online if they need to?
4: I am always available, uh, although hardly ever actually participating on Twitter, at MagicBollocks.
1: Uh, I'm at Mitch, MitchipediaGEM. Uh, the rest of Geekly Media is at Geekly Media on Twitter, at Geekly Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geekly Media is our Facebook page. Uh, make sure to rate and review us on whatever podcatcher you you re- listen to us on, if you can. Help us spread uh, our uh, brand <laughs> and our podcast. Uh, but until next time, this is Hey Mitch on the Geekly Media Network saying, always remember to Geek.